Hello and welcome to Let the Good Dice Roll. My name is Brendan. Uh, this is a retrospective podcast on a two and a half year long Exalted campaign that I am not allowed to post or else Shoji Megaro will sue my ass into the ground. I'm assuming that's the person who did all the music. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the, uh, the, the composer for the Persona series. I figured, okay. So with me tonight, as always, is... Christina, hi! And over in the corner is my lovely wife joining us. Hi, it's Julia, and Julia's sick this time around. Alright, so we've gone through Christina being sick, me and Christina being sick, and now Julia being sick. I mean, it helps to avoid this because I typically keep myself quarantined, but I went a little too hard on New Year's, and I think that my uh, immune system just decided, nah, brah, it's your turn. I mean, I'm still technically sick, but it's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah, no, I'm... Actually, no, I haven't really been coughing that much. I, I, and, and I got rid of my hangover yesterday with that big old nap on the couch. Well, I'm on the couch sipping soup out of my favorite giant mug. And I, uh, for once I'm here for an early start to these episodes. So, last time, the group made it to Look Shy and learned about Look Shy stuff. Now we're going to continue into Look Shy and the weirdness that keeps happening. They got to uh, start the fighting tournament, find out there is a revolution going on, and find out that, surprise, uh, three of Storm's siblings are the heads of it. Oh, yeah. Didn't I tell them they were terrible <coughs> at their job? I think at some uh, point you did, yes. Two of them are. Yes. Two of her siblings are kind of incompetent. I told them, you're the worst at this. One's decent, and then the other one's just kind of, like, shaking his head at this. Yeah. So, to get started, uh, this session starts off on a Sunday like they all do, October the 15th of 2017. We're getting close to the end of 2017. As we're we get, move into hey, 2020. We're getting we're, hey, we're getting close to the one-year anniversary of this game. Yeah. The one-year anniversary? Yep. We haven't even finished the first year yet, Julia. Oh, I thought you meant for realsies. I was like, guys, um... You know what, what year it is, right? Yeah, 2020. I've got 2020 vision. So, Wayward is approached by the Crimson King, who is kind of this mummy-looking guy, necromancer, whatnot. Who is a JoJo reference. Yep. Who is a hard JoJo reference in terms of power and what he does. And Why are you like this? Because I was doing this game before Part 4 had... Well, no... Part 4 was being animated or had finished being animated by this point, and Part 5 was a twinkle in our eyes of actually hoping to see an animation of. I still haven't seen that of it. I am so far behind. One day. One day, Christina. Anyways, Crimson King has heard of Wayward before and uh, his past incarnations. So the two of them sit and talk, and the Crimson King is weirdly mentioning his mom a lot. And he mentions some of Wayward's performances and talk, and they just sit and talk. Um, Wayward ends up noticing a small face on the top of his mask, and he uses wizard eyes to see a lot of unhappy spirits that are around the Crimson King. Mm-hmm. Jump over to Storm, who is walking with a lynx, which is Sesta, and an iguana, which is Sergei. And they ha uh, all of them happen to run into Surefire and Talisman. 
So they all make introductions, and they head over to the tea house, because there's a private room there where they can sit and talk and exchange information back and forth. Talisman uh, ends up thinking that all Lunars know each other, because pretty much all the Lunars that she's met so far know each other. So, makes yep. sense. <laughs> Forgot how fucking racist Talisman was towards Lunars. I wouldn't say that's racist. You're Exaltus. I mean, there was also the thing where she sat and wanted to know like all the anatomy of Lunars and kept like. Well, I mean, they transform. Yeah, and she was kind of making not fun of them, but like assumptions and shit. Look, Talisman was an idiot. Worth a lot of things, but she was a genius when you needed her to be. She had intelligence five and very low wits. Accurate. Accurate as shit. (laughs) As they're talking, Surefire ends up pulling Jade out elsewhere and hands it over to Sesta. I don't remember why. Um, Because Sesta was the person he had to meet from the Silver Pact, and he was giving Sesta uh, Jade as as payment. For what that Sesta was doing. I mean, I assume that's what it was, but it just was random. They end up having some more small talk, and uh, Sesta ends up mentioning Diam, which is uh, the oldest brother of the two, who follows the Maiden of Secrets. And she talks about how he's acting funny and knows all these things that'll happen before they end up happening. And she starts eyeballing Sergey, and the way I wrote this was like a single lady at a party eyeballing the only single guy. Correct. <laughs> so we just- I I roleplayed your sister as thirsty, which is weird in retrospect now, considering what that you've told me that you will do if that you uh are playing uh, for, for the Lunar's game that we play yeah, on Yeah, the Lunar Pirates you... campaign. I want to play Sesta, and she's very much just like, I do what I want. She's and... going to, the, the the way that you've told me is she's going to be the opposite of Storm, yep. which is like, I'll try anything once. I'll try anything once as long as it won't kill me. <laughs> yeah, that's very much a, yeah, no, that's that's how I plan to play her, because I, I always wanted to kind of play the, like, flower child like free spirit and since she her whole thing is following the maiden of journeys that's kind of how i imagine it being for her like and whatnot so mm-hmm. you have a face no no you that, that say something that no. fits so well oh. with journeys or serenity so we jump back to behemoth who is still fighting sickle blade the alchemical I didn't put any more notes than that because i don't sit and just go entirely back and forth on combat so. with it one of the things I remember that was really fun about that is is that because I knew that Devin was going to Alpha Strike because that's his entire build, as I believe I've mentioned at least three times in this in this series, Devin's behemoth build was Alpha Strike and shall be mentioned at least three more times. Or five. Or ten. I had given this character an Alpha Strike defense, which, uh, as I believe we've mentioned, this character is an alchemical. Yes. Is a uh, avatar silo for... I don't know if we mentioned which one it was yet, but it is in the it is an, It is an avatar silo for one of the alchemicals. Um, and basically what ends up happening is Devin does his Alpha Strike, and the defense is a perfect defense where that basically uh, Sickle Blade blows off all of her, like, clay trappings of her uh, of her body and reveals that she is in fact an alchemical. 
Huh. Because uh, alchemical uh, body, when you see it, like they've they've got like the they're like they're like fucking like terminators. Yeah. You've got like the the actual like inner soul, workings, the inner workings and everything that's like where everything actually comes from. But on the outside, they're like android cl- skin. Yeah, they're like android skin. They're like synthetic clay and everything like that. Huh. So like that was my defense against it, and he and I recalled that's why that fight actually lasted a while. For Devin, because I had a defense. Yeah, we had to keep rolling around and going back to him. It goes back to me, I think, at least one or two other times in mm-hmm. here. So, then we skip over to Percy, who's talking to Will about Dancer. Fuck Dancer. And Percy wants to learn about the Abyssals, and he's asking why the uh, Masked Winner wants to join the River Confederacy. River Confederacy, so they're talking about that and discussing that. Yeah, they're discussing politics, as uh, Craig likes to do. Yep, and he ends up telling Will about the mass that we have, but says that the one we did have was destroyed, which is a lie. It's actually with Star. Um, but I don't remember if he knew that or not. I don't believe that he knew that. Yeah, because I, I know I knew that just because I could still remember um, Seeker. But you I... knew that, and I think some of your closer NPCs knew that, and one Air quotes, enemy NPC knew that. Yeah. Um, but they mention uh, Dancer's group and the realm and uh, how a lot of people seem to be interested in these masks. Mm-hmm. Back to Behemoth. Still fighting. Still fighting. Yep. Charms are going off. Essence is bl- flaring. It's, it's what the player wants. Yeah. I'm giving him combat. It's what he wants. <laughs> To Raldo, he is uh, with Diego at the black market, and they're with the Prince of Theft, who they find out is the uh, leader of this black market, and they also find out that he's a nightcast solar, and he was the pirate guy from earlier with the dog. Uh, think basically Luffy from One Piece is kind of the style of clothing that he has. Okay, so so the irony of this is is that I made this character <clears throat> in. Tw- fucking 2010 i had never watched a single episode of one piece i had never really like i knew that it existed but i didn't give a fuck i don't think that i had really seen anything from it i just kind of made this character as the opposite of what i normally make characters as Mm -hmm. which was Normally I make tall characters, so I made a short character. Normally I make smart characters, so I made a dumb character. Normally I make, like, lithe, pretty anime boys, so I made a strong, short dude. And then I gave him, like, oh, here, he's got the the fucking rice patty hat, and he's got, like, shorts and a vest and sandals, and he just kind of is a pirate. I didn't realize I had made Luffy until, like... A couple years ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago when that we were running this. And you described him to us and were like... Is that That's, Luffy? That, that, did you base that off of Luffy from One Piece? Especially Brick. And I felt like I got and I felt like I got offended by it when, when the, the first time that came up. Because I was like, no, no, I mean, I, 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 I didn't think about that, but yeah, I guess, oh man. The reason I bring it up is because it's just the easiest way to describe kind of what the character looked like. It's a very, yeah, I know. Uh, You are totally right about that. So, uh, the Prince of Theft needs Raldo to help him with something. Basically, they need transportation, like a flying boat, a war strider that fits five people, yada, 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 a floating mountain. You know, it's not sketchy at all. 
that, you know, he just happens to know random things and seems to strangely relate to us and whatnot. Actually, it was more he knew random things and just kind of said them aloud because that character has gone across the world and, like, has already had his big adventure. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's run into this kind of shit. Um, but it was never a, like, I'm so sad that that plot never really got resolved because that plot, uh, basically turns into, was supposed to turn into, we're going to go steal from the realm's treasury. And that's what it was all supposed the to be. Declaration of Independence. We're going to go steal the declaration that says the Scarlet Empress can be the Empress. And like... It, we're just going to change Scarlet Empress to a different name. <laughs> we're going to change Scarlet Empress to the the, the Solar Empress. The Storm Empress. No. <laughs> you got, I know, you knew I wouldn't have wanted that. I barely wanted to be called a queen when I had to deal with that arc. Back to Behemoth. He finally defeats Sickleblade and helps her off of the field. Air quotes around. Like, it's not really a field. It's still a coliseum. Uh, and the pit. Basically. As Behemoth is helping her off, uh, one of the other contestants called Explosive Star Seeker comes up to him and shakes his hand uh, and says that he'll see him in the next round because he ended up winning his battle against uh, the Air Aspect Liddell. Mm-hmm. Like I, said, I didn't want to name off the things earlier because I want to go through them and be able right. to say who won what. Well, as they're shaking hands... Uh, Behemoth's able to kind of get a look at the skin color that the guy has, and it was the same color as Behemoth's skin before he exalted. Uh, we also find out that Sickleblade is the combat unit uh, for the wild troubleshooting unit. Yes, uh, she is the Avatar Silo combat unit for the wild troubleshaping sh- unit, uh, which is... Oh, I'm troubleshooting. Troubleshooting, tr- trouble... Yeah, troubleshooting. I'm sorry. The... Weird thing is, is that you guys actually never meet the full form of that because you guys basically went, fuck the wild. We're not going to deal with this. I literally had an intimacy for Storm that said, fuck Faye, basically. Like, well, she had distrust of Faye. To be fair, Brendan, you never gave us a reason to want to go near the wild. It always was an unpleasant experience for us, both as players and characters, to deal with anything from the wild. The reason that that... Because it's a headache in general. It is a headache in general. But the reason that this suddenly becomes a bigger thing and is very heavily focused on Behemoth and then gets kind of dropped off is because Behemoth's plot revolves around the wild and Faye. Yeah. And then gets dropped off because... Devin stops playing Behemoth. Yes. In the eventual. I believe that we've mentioned uh, probably like two or three episodes before that Devin has three characters in this game. Well, I believe so. So, uh, Storm, Tally, Sergey, and Surefire are all heading back to the arena to try and find the rest of the group. Basically, the rest of the boys at this point. Uh, Wayward goes to talk to Ruby Tuesday about starting a guild. Back to the four of them again. Oh, yeah. He finally starts uh, his turning his cult into the Bard's Guild. Yep. Which has way bigger implications than John ever wanted. So back to the to the four, the couples, I guess, technically. Um, they go and meet up with uh, Ruby Tuesday, Wayward, and Behemoth. Everybody kind of explains the situations and talk about it and meet up and figure out what's going on. 
Then we all go off to meet with uh, Storm's siblings, and but before that, they send messages to Roldo and Percy's to let them know what's going on and abreast them to the situation. Mm-hmm. So the Circle, the Lunars, and the Seiyu go to meet the siblings at the location, uh, and there's actually four siblings sitting around there. Uh, Amar's actually there, even though at the time earlier nobody remembered him so that's because of how scenario bullshit works oh i know is well you know that but other people probably don't know that so explain it for other people is that unless of course unless of course you are present or have a reason to like basically when you exalt as a scenario basically your prior life gets erased and you are not remembered as we mentioned last episode uh storms uh Storm's family only believed that there were, there was whoever they were and three other siblings, not four. So in this case, th- they remember him when he shows up. But if they were to all meet again and him not be there, all of them would forget him. Unless, of course, he created a major intimacy with them. Yeah, like Storm has a big intimacy to her siblings, which is probably the only reason that she remembers Amar, and plus Amar probably lets her remember him. He lets you remember him because he is part of the gold faction. Yeah. Whereas the rest of them are, um, the rest of them are, uh, different things that, uh, do not remember him. Technically, technically Diom remembers him, but he, he doesn't let on to it because he's a fucking edgeward. I played him as a goddamn edgeward. Which is not how I imagined him, but I I gave you liberty to do as you wanted, so. Uh, so all of them are sitting there. Amar seems a little out of place because he's a sidereal. Uh, he's basically a masculine version of all the siblings' mom. Uh, Sesta looks like the younger version of Storm, but she's got, like, the lynx, the subtle lynx spotting on her. Um, Diam is just this skinny, pale dude with short black hair and bandages everywhere. They're very bloody, and he's just carrying knives on him. Yes, uh, so one of the things that does not really get brought up, because I've looked ahead in the notes, is is that um, Diom is an exalt, and he is specifically a Gatinian. Yeah, it might be mentioned, like, way later. It might be mentioned, like, way later, but it does not get mentioned in the Lookshy notes from what I saw. I know there's one point where literally, like, later on, Diom and Amara are, like, looking at each other... And Storm's, like, adjusting Diom's bandages. And she's like, we're all gonna get along, right? And just, like, tightens his bandages. It, it might have actually happened during this discussion, but it doesn't, like... It, it, it at least did not get written down. But basically, um... So, a couple episodes ago, we talked about Plague of Trust and the, uh... The Fateless Ivory Swordsman, who was pinned to you guys' wall and had multiple knife cuts on him. That's because... Diom, no, yeah, Diom, mm-hmm. found him and basically ambushed him as a mortal and took all of his pattern spiders and everything. Uh, turning him, like, forcibly turning himself into a Gatimian. And then used that new power that he's acquired to take the, uh, his big old uh, War Strider, Grand Dyclave, and Impale the Dude through the wall. Julia has a question. Yes. What the fuck is a Katimian? Katimians are basically anti-Sidereals. They're, they will kill Sidereals and steal the pattern spiders inside of them and put them inside themselves. Okay. Yeah. Because it was never explained. Yeah. And there's no book for it. 
Yeah, I just... And there's no, like, there's no, there's not even an example of it in the Exalted Third Core rulebook. I just happen to know what they are. They just exist? They just kind of exist, and they're, like, a really neat idea for, like, sidereal antagonists that are on par with sidereal power. Yeah. Because they because they're taking the pattern spires, they kind of get sidereal flavored abilities because they have a kind of the core essence of what sidereal. They are. they can cool. manipulate fate. Very cool. Yeah. And so they're, they're a really cool concept that never got flushed out. Yeah. Has yet to, well, I mean, considering that Exalted Third Edition is literally just now starting to get to lunars, like you know, in twenty thirty eventually we'll be able to run a Gatimian game. They That's really optimistic. I, I went to Gen Con, know, right? like, two years ago or whatever it was, and they had talked about... I went to a White Wolf session, and they were talking about what books they were bringing out, and I think the next one was uh, Lunars, and I think it was Exigence or Alchemicals. My notes on it are somewhere. Exigence sounds more likely. <laughs> yeah. Because they're new, and Alchemicals require their own setting. Speaking of Exigence, my last sibling for Storm was Vita who looks nothing like either one of her siblings, like either one of her sisters. She's got battle scars everywhere and these kind of milky white eyes with like pock marks everywhere as well. Um, and she's like, those that would have them have cast marks. So she's actually, <clears throat> excuse me, she's actually an exogen of Amoth City Smiter. So for the, the breakdown of it, Storm's the lunar. I'm sorry, my jeez. <laughs> okay. Wow. Storm is the solar. Diam underneath of her is the Gatimian. 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 Hi, I said it right. Vita is an exigent. Then you've got Amar, who's a sidereal, and Sesta's a lunar. So that's the breakdown of it. And then Mom's an infernal. And then Dad's an abyssal. abyssal. Yep. From a highly potent, dragon-blooded bloodline. Yep, we all (laughs) exalted as everything but dragon-blooded. So Storm explains the situation... And the three of them that are in on this revolution all admit that there are three heads of it. Surprise, surprise. Um, Sesta talks about how Lookshy is using the people, etc., like what their basic plans are. And there's just a lot of discussion about this plan and whatnot, and really just how it's not super thought out well. And I think that's when I told them that they were the worst at this. Yeah. Like, Sesta is the youngest. Like, she is young. She's smart. But it's one of those things of, like... You have no experience. Yeah. All of Sesta's uh, ideas for revolution come from the Silver Pact, which is the uh, the Lunars, who are all about uh, cultural manipulation. But she's a full moon and not, like, a weird, nerdy full moon. Like, Got it. She's a... At least in this canon, she's a full moon. Yeah. Because she's a combat monkey. Yeah. And that, that, like, that's why it's like, eh, you know what? Fucking Surefire would just be like, here's, like, a talent, a jade from... Yeah. So she or... wasn't the she was the one that was really doing planning. She was kind of the liaison from her from her silver pack to be like, these are the ideas they have. I'm just here to make sure they happen and are heard. That's Whereas like Vita was very much she's literally kind That's of like long. oh thank you she's literally like the hand of someone who wants to smite cities. So probably and she and her maiden that she she doesn't have that, a plan. Yeah, was the she maiden doesn't of have battle. A, she so doesn't she's, have a fucking plan at all. It's literally just destroy the city. just wants to smite the city. Yeah. And then Diom is part of Secrets and he's just like I'm just here to cause havoc. No. His reason for being there, I believe that it was not havoc. There is a in the general council and I, I don't believe it gets mentioned in the notes, 
but I know that I brought it up to you guys. Someone talked to him about it and was like, why are you doing this? Why are you, like, a part of this? You seem smarter than that. And he's like, oh, the general council has a secret, uh... Have uh, Heaven Gate to go to to go to Yushan. It does get brought up at some point. It does get brought up at some point, but like it's like that's why he, he wants to go there because he he's wants a Gatinian. To go, he wants to go to Yushan so he can get some more spiders to cause havoc. Yeah, but he has a he doesn't have an actual plan. But he's like, oh yeah, the revolution, yeah, like the most sarcastic thumbs yeah. up to everyone who wants to be and part of the revolution. And his siblings are involved, so he's like, I'm down to help, sure. Like the only person who has an actual plan, who has a air quotes plan, and is really all for revolution, is Sesta, who's the baby of the fucking group, and is just like. And when I say baby, I think she's like 18 at this point. Yeah, she's she she is not. And that's why they're like they're laying out the plan, and I think it's Craig, Jonathan, and I are sitting there listening to it, and we're just like, "You're idiots! You're gonna get murdered, Storm. We're sorry, but your siblings are fucking bad at this. They they weren't raised to be you know revolutionaries. They were really bad at this, and that's why that it gets like." brought up at the end of the arc as to why that they were bad at this. Because, like, you can't have a revolution without money. Yeah. And yeah, like, Surefire comes in with a talent of Jade from the Silver Pack, but a talent of Jade is not going to fund a fucking army. Yeah, it's nothing. Uh, Other random thing, uh, as a side note before the end of this session, because this is, like, the last note for this particular session, is... A Seiyu uh, lets us know that the alchemical that's under Lukshai is likely the star metal architect of the Supreme Patropolis. Mm-hmm. That gets dropped on us at the end of the session. Right. So that's the end of that one. Okay. Alright, so next session, which is actually a relatively short one. Um, actually, the next two are semi-short. This one is on a Sunday in October 29th of 2017. And I don't know what this accent is, but this is what I went with. So we're back to still having this conversation about this goddamn rebellion, or revolution, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And the discussion is just going fabulously. If you can't sense the sarcasm in my freaking voice, learn. You can tell that it was going in circles because there are not a whole lot of notes about it. Yeah. You can tell that the group basically went, guys, your ideas are fucking stupid, what are you doing? When, it, when I just write discussions or blah, 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 or anything like that, that's when my mind just kind of checks out of it and just, it's not worth me writing it down. You would think that this was actually a badly designed encounter on the GM's part, but in fact, it was me having someone who's super inexperienced about leading a revolution and has no idea how politics work yeah. trying to lead a revolution. It, it made sense. Like, you had one person who was like 16 or 18... You had one person who was just literally smashed the city. They didn't care. And the other one that had ulterior motives for this. And we're just kind of like, yeah, sure, let's do this. I'm going to also work on what I really want to do. And then you have the brother who's, the other brother who's not really involved. is just kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? And the sister is like, I have my own things. I'm only here to keep you fuckers alive. So, and then you have her group who's just like, you guys are idiots. So, yeah, (laughs) that's the gist of that. We do find out that apparently f- five years ago or something like that. Was when the uh, Scarlet Empress disappeared? Yeah. 
um, like since the Starland first disappeared, mm-hmm. uh, apparently Lookshy has begun eyeing the Blessed Isles as a result of her disappearance. Which I had alluded to in the pre in the first session where you were there when you met with the general council about being like the status quo is changing. Yeah. But during this discussion, because it's more than just the revolution, there's just other things. It's just a huge discussion at this point about lots of different things. A couple different things end up coming up. Uh, One being that Surgeon, at least according to Amar, has been around while plagues are starting to crop up in places. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of been led to believe that he's going around solving plagues. But... He's more like creating them and then solving them. Yeah. And it's more Amar is solving them because Serenity specifically is uh, very health-based. Yeah. Uh, then you've got a Seiyu who we found out was actually part of the usurpation. Um, and then there's note of the Eye of Autothon. Uh, creation debugging unit, or Nightman, as we call him, and how uh, uh, the two of them were against us, or I'm sorry, they were against us, uh, sort of, in the beginning, and, but eventually, I say, you ended up shooting him because, like, he disagreed with us, or he shot Architect because he disagreed with us. It was Architect. Yeah, he shot Architect because he disagreed with us. So the entire story behind that is that... He disagreed with being against us, so he was for us. Dayman and Nightman used to be on the same side. They were like, the Solars are fucking the world up. And that was Dayman's big secret. That's why the he went around the Riverlands for centuries saving mortals and being a vigilante. And, like, everybody knew him. Because he was trying to atone for it. Because he liked the idea of the usurpation and then saw what had happened and he was like oh shit this is not good this is not good I supported not maybe not the right side maybe not the best side but I supported the side I probably shouldn't have I supported the side of stagnation as opposed to the side of tyranny like there's no right side to pick in the usurpation yeah but what ends up happening is is that architect um his goal was to summon Autothon back to creation to to basically, like, help out the Solars. Uh, Autothon left, like, a hundred years into the First Age after uh, the Aftershock Wars. Was it that one? Yes. Uh, so there was the, the Primordial War, and then immediately following that is the Aftershock Wars, where that you have... Uh, warlocks that show up. Warlocks are um, basically solars who have been tempted by Yozis. They're uh, they're the weird they, mesh. They, they're, they're alpha infernals. Yeah. So, Autothon, after like the first stage is really going for a hundred years, sees the bullshit that some solars are doing, and basically goes, "Hey, I'm a big fucking titan, getting my I'm a uh, I'm a unicron sized titan. Hey, like." A hundred thousand mortals or more. Maybe it's like a million. I don't know the exact numbers, but get in my belly. We're going to elsewhere and we're going to make a utopian society. Peace out, guys. You were fun. This was fun. Like, 
a hundred years into the first age. The first age lasts for thousands of years. So who knows what kind of fucking atrocities are happening during the first age. On but either with, side. But within a hundred years, Autothon goes, yo, fuck this. Pretty much. They're just done with all of it. Yeah, he, he's just fucking done with it. Uh, and the reason Architect gets brought up is, as I mentioned with the previous session, um, the city, in air quotes, that's underground is the alchemical of the Architect of Supreme, of Supreme Petropolis, which is a first-age city, essentially, that's under Lukshai. Uh Yes, because... As an alchemical reaches a certain essence point, their body expands very largely to the point that they become cities. Yeah, and that's why they have avatar silos, because you can't go really walking around as a city, so you have to kind of have an avatar going around and doing what you need to do. Um, So, we, because we know it's under Lukshai, if we didn't already know, we talk about building a drill to actually go down to it. We also find out that Diego is really good with War Striders under one condition. Or at least, we're sure of one condition. We're not sure otherwise. Um, it's at least while he's coked out, or up, however you want to phrase it. Well, yeah, while he's all coked up. But So we don't know how well he is when he doesn't have coke. I don't um, think anybody ever finds out. I don't think anybody ever does. No. I, think he, I think he eventually, when we switch to Godbound, we find out he's good at it regardless, but that's... He's been at it so many years at that point, it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, because the the, the the Godbound switch, I think, happens at the very tail end before the time skip. Yes. And then immediately after, there's a big time skip. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's... Kind of, so, like, Surefire goes to check on Diego to make sure he's doing okay. Um, and then Raldo also ends up going to check on Diego... Because he's coming down from the coke. So Raldo kind of like helps him into bed, tucks him in, is, and all the nice a thi- things. A thing to be mentioned is that Raldo's the one who got him coked up. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, come on, man. Come on. Because uh, Prince of Theft had a wheelbarrow full of cocaine. Yeah, which is why I have a little picture on the side here of literally Prince of Theft with a wheelbarrow of cocaine. Because I like to draw on the side of my notes. Right there? Yeah, right here. Yep. Yep. Wheelbarrow of cocaine. Because there always has to be a wheelbarrow of cocaine in every campaign. And I will continue something similar to that. Has has there been a wheelbarrow of cocaine in... In Mage? No, not yet. Okay, well I guess that's gonna have to happen. Yep. Uh, we end up going to a Look Shine warehouse. And we're just kind of looking around. So Storm ends up f- just finding the sliding door like she do. And slides it and closes it behind her. So she just keeps letting everyone else look around for a while as she goes through the door. And when nobody ends up finding it, she just knocks from her side of the door and people finally find <laughs> it. Uh, so they find her and follow her down this hidden panel. They end up going down a hallway. There's stuff written down, uh, like, in Old Realm along it. And uh, it's 1 to 21. 15 is the way out. I know that the, I have that written off to the side. <laughs> so the thing for that is, is that there were 21 warehouses that this thing would appear in and would start using its automatic uh, repair functions on. 15 was the warehouse that you all went through. I just couldn't remember why that was there, but it was in there. Um, you all literally could have taken any of them, and as long as you uh, took the path 
up to the city, you would have come out at either a warehouse or an abandoned house or an well, abandoned something. Well, I mean, something. I have a picture that has lots of different hallways that lead to a junction, so maybe that's what that was for. Yep. Uh, we find out some of the hallways lead to other warehouses. Uh, then we see a sort of a, like, swirling staircase, um, because this junction is actually moving. And then we see these floating cogs behind a door, or coming out from the door. Yeah. And we basically see them and attack them, and find out they're cogwheel dragons. Do you want to explain what a cogwheel dragon is real quick? A cogwheel dragon is a machine spirit, uh that uh, machine spirits are like gods. I think that we've kind of uh, talked about them just very briefly before. But they are basically uh, giant cog wheels with dragon faces on them that breathe out fire and electricity. And they're basic helpers slash enemies in the Autochthonian setting. Well, Percy ends up getting rid of slash killing all the cogs, but not before they sound the alarm, uh, unfortunately. Then we have to deal with a buzzsaw trap, um, but we eventually make it down to the Petropolis area, and we all find a different way to descend down this ladder. Uh, Percy and Storm, as they're going down the ladder, it comes loose at the top, and they begin falling. And this, this is when one of my favorite things happened, because Percy and Storm are, like, ridiculous. That was when Percy uh, parried the ground, and I, like... Seven Shadow Evasion, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Like, dodge the ground. Yeah. Because you thing. can just dodge damage like that. It's yeah. I know I brought so it up fun. before, but that's one of my favorite things. Oh, of like, before, before... Fucking defenses! <laughs> before, this, uh, before this story arc in Wilkshire ends, parrying the ground is going to become a very, very interesting everything. This has one of my favorite endings to an arc, and I, I don't think we're going to get to it this episode, but boy, is it literally one of my favorite things you all have ever done in this system, to the point that it's one of my favorite stories to tell, because it shows the ridiculousness, but also the specificness of Exalted, versus when we get into Godbound, things become way more vague and just kind of... Yeah, I mean, like, I know when we switched over to Godbound, I tried to be descriptive with what I did with stuff, but I can I also tried to give you guys stuff. So I also tried to give you guys stunt stuff eventually, but it it's such a different system that by adding in any kind of bonuses from stunting, you break the system, like, yeah. permanently. Like, the only way you could do it is maybe give, like, a plus one to damage, and even that is ridiculous. But but if I tell someone, oh, yeah, you get a plus one for for stunting, like, it feels lesser. Yeah, it doesn't feel as good as, like, take an extra dice or two. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, well, at this point, because alarms have been sounded and all the mayhem is happening, the city is basically calling in all hands on deck for getting rid of the gremlins problem. We've mentioned gremlins in the room before. We have huh? mentioned gremlins before. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Um, I have not gotten speci- into the specifics of gremlins because it becomes a way bigger thing later, later on, on in the yeah. game. And, like, right now, at this moment, you guys are being recognized as yes. gremlins. Yes, yes. We are not... recognized as the gremlins in the situation that the, that the city needs to deal with. Uh, Wayward tries to basically instill in the city 
Uh, I don't know what he tries to instill in the city. It just doesn't instill in the city. Knowing he, him, it could have been the we are not your enemies problem. Yeah, I think he tried to instill a uh, intimacy of, <coughs> of we are not your enemies, but... It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah. This, uh, th- this thing is an Essence 9 alchemical. Yeah. So Storm has the idea to flash her cast mark, and she only does this in situations where it's pertinent, because she's very reserved about being like, I'm a solar! Bam! As the Nightcasts do, since they have an ability to, you know, uh, basically subdue their uh, anima flares. Well, after she does it, everything kind of pauses for a moment, which uh, gives everybody else time to move into place. So Raldo cuts the cannon lines, Tally's able to pull up a dragon line and disconnect it, and then uh, we're able to ride Sergei and Doof to the core uh, while doing uh, all this different stuff. Sergei turns into a giant tyrant lizard. I love my lizard. He's great. Uh, we all are able to make it inside and meet up with the alchemical and talk to them and basically are able to unlock our second alchemical companion, which we call Archie. It's really architect, but Archie was easier. Mm-hmm. And that ends at that session, actually. Like wow. I said, that one was super short. The next one's also pretty I remember short. that one being super fun for me to run, though, because it was... Hey, here's a dungeon. Go do go do weird dungeon shit. Yeah. Oh, you guys figured out the dungeon stuff. This is super fun. So next session is Sunday, November the 12th, 2017. Unfortunately, we didn't have Julia for this particular one. I do have that written on the side notes. Okay. A lot of coming up makes more sense then because of that. Yeah. Because I'm that type of person who writes who's there and who's not. Back to the Coliseum. The next fight is Explosive Star Seeker versus Behemoth. Uh, Explosive Star Seeker has a lot of padded like armor, and pretty much all of him is covered except for his hands, which we've mentioned before. Uh, he asks Behemoth what he fights for, and Behemoth says he fights for a number of reasons: uh, glory of the sun, uh, and a large reason to keep the prize out of the Crimson King's hand, which is kind of the big goal of the tournament. It's like, we don't trust this fucker. We don't want him to have it. We know he's an abyssal of some kind. We don't want him to have it. But uh, he also wants to prove that those who are tainted are not bad. And in his sense of tainted, it's it's fey bullshit. So so Behemoth decides to ask, you know, uh, Splosive Starseeker why he fights. Um... And basically, he knows that there's a first-age wonder that will calcify the wilds of the East. That's something we find out about. Yep, that's what he wants out of this tournament. And because this tournament can give him an audience with the uh, with the Unconquered Sun, he would be able to find it. Yeah. But he must realize that they're both basically fighting for noble causes. Um... And so Behemoth decides to tell Explosive Starseeker his true name, which is uh, Avalon. Abraham? It's it's like Avalon. It's something. I can't fucking remember it. Yeah. Because I have have Avalon written down. Okay. So I probably spelled it wrong, but... Maybe. I I honestly don't remember it. Because we used to call him Abe for short. That's right. Okay. Because we couldn't pronounce it because we're awful people. Either that or we're making fun of it like everybody likes to do with names except for me. Yep. So. Uh, and as we're 
Because I don't think Behemoth went down there with us. I think he kept participating in the tournament. Yes, because Devin could not make it to that game. Yeah. So as the rest of us are coming up from underground, we end up running into Percy's dad, who confronts us and won't let us leave. So, Whoa! I mean, you could just push past this fucking mortal, but no one's going to because it's Percy's yeah. dad. It's not like, you know, we're going to put him into Vault of Harris and he's going to turn to sand. Like, who would do that kind of shit to, yeah, to, who, some, who to, to someone in a sober, sick, or family? family? Who yeah. would do that? Well, Storm's not having any of it, and she just stealth. She, like, picks up, she, like, nudges a surrogate and is like, Iguana. So he turns into Iguana, she picks him up and just stealths past everybody. He's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. Um, and she also takes Archie with her. It is one of those, like, I have an Iguana, I'm grabbing this alchemical. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she ends up fucking off because no well percival's dad thinks that storm is percy's wife right which is because, the funniest shit ever because percy's dad has been like hey when are you gonna get a wife yeah and i think he thought the reason i left so quickly was because i was like embarrassed or something like that i don't remember i mean if you were percy's wife you'd be embarrassed it's true storm has standards Ooh, ouch Percival's it's, not her type. It's because he's appearance one, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> it's because he's, he's appearance, appearance one. one. Totally. You had standards. You went with appearance two. Yeah. I mean, Storm's appearance two. I always forget about this. Yeah. Uh, I made it so she looked like a normal person so she could blend in better. Because two is the standard for appearance. Three is slightly above average and anything above that is just super obvious. She didn't want appearance five like... I didn't want her to have appearance five like... Uh, uh, talisman because if you just look normal you can blend in with the crowd a lot it makes sense so I went with what made sense mm-hmm. in my head so she just was a normal looking person but as like Storm ended up telling the dad you know that you know oh wait no I'm sorry I stealthed out as her Percival ends up telling his dad that Storm is not his wife uh, but he decides to say that Talisman who is still down below working and fixing things, is his wife. Yes. Because that is the most believable thing. I mean, I guess he had personality going for him. He did have, like, a bunch of warriors that followed him. He was a war supernal. Um, I don't know why Craig decided to do that, but it was fucking hilarious. I feel like because if he had said Storm was his wife, it would have ended more poorly. I don't know. Both of them ended poorly. It, it would it would have ended poorly had he said Storm was his wife, and it did end poorly when he said Talisman was his wife. I think that, I think moving forward that, um, I think that at some point Percy's dad did visit them, and he saw Talisman, and this might be in the notes or something. No, he, no, they went to dinner. They went like, to dinner? Percy asked Talisman to go to dinner with his dad, so I think we'll Oh, and like pretend to, okay, yeah, yeah I think, I think that does happen. Yeah. So, I have written down FIGHT in all capitals and crazy bullshit. So, I assume that we went back to uh, Star Seeker and Behemoth's fight, probably. Yes. So, Star uh, Explosive Star Seeker's... Visions of the Viewer's Demise. What? I have Visions of the Viewer's Demise written down. Okay. And Explosive Star Seeker's Anima Banner... Uh, oh, that's alludes it. to the fact that he's a sidereal. We find out he's a sidereal Saturn, which is endings. Yes, which is he the is a sid- he is a sidereal of endings. That is his anima banner. His martial art is a sidereal martial art that was a custom make from uh, 
It was a custom make from uh, from the Onyx Path forums, uh, which say what you will about the the company and how that they are really bad about releasing stuff. Like it's been four years since Exalted Third Edition came out, and we have three. We have two core rulebooks and one manuscript. Like. It's really not great. I recall fucking like well, the Warstrider stuff. They had a preview for it when I was at Gen Con. I actually own the Warstrider book. I know, but I'm but, just saying like. But like that they, was like it, two years ago. They just had like a. They were just getting ready to be like, here's what we're releasing soon. So which means that was already two years into it. Which I guess if you think about it, that's not awful. That's not awful, but it's still like you only just now have Lunars, whereas what I'm used to is. When they when White Wolf was running it, it was like, here's the Sidereal book. Like every next every year. year, every year there's a new book, and now it's been like Dragon Blooded took like a year and a half to come out. Like there was a lot of there's a lot of drama that goes on with this, like that I will not get into. There are multiple like YouTube and podcasts channels and like forum posts about how stuff goes we're not I'm, gonna sit I'm and, not we're go- not gonna sit and argue on its path i'm not i'm, I'm not gonna, gonna sit that. and argue uh these kinds of things i believe that so long as stuff is quality and it comes out it, it's worth the wait but as someone who was running a game that needed all of these things i was quite pissed off that i was not getting hey i should have the dragon blooded book by now because it's been a year. Hey, next year, I should have the Lunar's book. The following year, I should have, like, the Exigent book. Like, we don't even have the Lunar's book yet. Yeah, we just know it's being worked on. We and just, it's close to release, I think. Yeah, I think that the uh, the manuscript was released. And, like, the manuscript for the, the Exalted book, for the, the core book, had been released two years before I bought it. Yeah, I, I got my copy through a friend who had uh, basically kickstarted it. Yeah. Um, so back to this. So back to this. So so the the martial arts style that exalted uh, not exalted fucking explosive star seeker is using is something that I had found on there that was a mishmash of the um, shit. What the fuck is it called? The fist of the north star style. The, the, the Hokuto no Shinken. Yeah. You're already dead. I've hit your S I've hit your chakra points. I've hit your essence points. Yeah. But it's also a mixture of, you know what I'm going to say. You know what I'm going to say. it. It's a fucking Jojo reference. It's your life. I know, but it's, but it's like final charms are literally like this shit, this fucking martial art got made by someone Two months after I'd made the Killer Queen fight. And it's literally based off of Hokuto no Shinken and fucking Killer Yoshikage Kira's Killer Queen. It's its final charm is the Killer Queen rewind ch- rewind time charm. And I'm just like, no! Which is why it works really well for his name being Explosive Star Seeker. Yes. And, but the way that I had him fight, though, was a reference to Bakugo... From My Hero Academia, because I had, as I had mentioned, I had recently gotten super into it. Yeah. There's, like, points where he's like, oh, Behemoth has put a, pa- like, a 
larger distance between us. So I'm going to explode essence out of my fists in a combo to get closer to him. Yep. It was a very fun fight to describe. It was. I just don't have a lot of notes on it because I don't usually describe battle unless weird stuff is happening, typically. Uh, we do end up finding out that Behemoth's brother's real name is Foddy, and Explosive Starseeker is indeed Foddy, and is Behemoth's brother. Uh, Correct. Behemoth decides to surrender because he's not going to fight his brother, which I feel like he still should have fought him, but that's just me. He still should have fought him. He still should have fought him because the... I already knew who he was going to fight at the end of the tournament, and Behemoth actually stood a chance against that character. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I guess it was maybe a good thing that he surrendered because his brother admitted to putting an essence bomb on Behemoth's neck that he ends up going up and pulling out of him. So because Behemoth surrendered, uh, Explosive Starseeker moves on, so he has to fight the Crimson King as the uh, final the battle yep. of the tournament. A sidereal so, versus so at, that, so at this point, I can tell you how the matchup goes. Um... So you had Author versus the Prince of Theft. Author ended up winning. The Crimson King versus Sesta. The Crimson King ended up winning. Crimson King ended up being Author. Uh, Ladal fought Explosive Starseeker. And everybody was fast as lightning. It, it was a ridiculous fight. I literally had the review as fast as I drew a lightning little thing. Uh, so Explosive Starseeker ended up going on. Uh, Behemoth versus Sickle Blade. Behemoth went on. Those two ended up fighting. And Explosive Starseeker went out. So the finals was the Crimson King versus the Slow Star Seeker. And I know that was kind of rattled and meshed together, but I know people knew what I was talking about. Right. Uh, so we get uh, up to Wayward, who goes to a karaoke bar, of course. He finds one female there who can actually sing, and after he performs, he pulls them aside to talk, and she says that her queen is her biggest fan. We find out that the queen is actually Narencia, the spark of war. Beautiful Pearl invites him to meet the queen, and uh, she seems to be very attached to Wayward. Behemoth finds this out and just smashes her into Gossamer. Yep. Back to uh, Percy, who has a weird dinner with his dad who says he's traveling to Sunshade to meet Percy's girlfriend and to see our city. Uh, he's so dead. <laughs> Not Percy's dad, but Percy is going to be so dead when Talison finds out. Correct. We uh, find out that there's a solar that wanders around Rathus that was harassing Foddy. Mm-hmm. And then there's just different conversations and discussions of what we're going to do next. Uh, you know, Sickleblade is involved in that conversation for some reason, and there's. I think Sickleblade was trying to get you guys to go to the east to help out with uh, Sickleblade stuff. It's possible. Well, we do have a mention of the Jade Prison and the Dreaming Sea uh, about that being where solar exhortations are locked up, but not all of them, just most of them at this point. Uh, and, no, but, no. Uh, to their understanding. When that uh, the the jade prison got sunk into the sea, um, most of the solar exaltations went in there, but not all of them did. Oh, which I is why you, which is why you get the bull of the north. But when it it got opened, that's where you guys came yeah. from. But like 
more exaltations still keep popping up. So it's kind of one of those, okay, well, if it's locked up, why are exaltations, solar exaltations still popping up? Because there was a crack in it. Yeah, but that's just, we didn't know why, we just knew that this was a thing that was happening at the time. So, retrospective. Then there's this weird moment between Asayu and Behemoth. Um, I don't remember what it was about, it might be in here later. But Storm ends up stepping between them. Oh, that's right. They have this conversation, and Storm ends up stepping between them before Asayu can tell Behemoth about his part in the usurpation. Because we wanted to ease Behemoth into that. And so this being, by the way, uh, I was part of the reason that you guys, all this shit happened to you. So Storm's like, I'm just going to stand in the middle of this. We'll tell him later. Move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, more discussions about what we're going to do about this goddamn revolution. And then uh, we find out that House Nellens is funding the revolution. And... Something about the head of the house. Well, House Nellens is a disgraced house, by the way. We also find out that the council is comprised of three of the oldest uh, partitioners or patricians. Patricians. I can talk. I'm sure I can talk at some point in my patricians life. Patricians are dragon blooded who have exceptional breeding but have not exalted as ter- as terrestrial exalts. So they're kind of like really smart breeding stock to make good terrestrials later, but they never exalted. Yeah. Well, we find out a couple of things. Uh, the reasons for... Well, one of the reasons for the house being disgraced is that they're known for to bring thieves and be disgraced traitors. So... It's uh, run by four mortals and three dragon-blooded. So that basically makes a council of seven total... Uh, Nellens Malachi is the only one Ralden happens to know about, so he's heard about him. We also find out that Nellens is basically the house that wants money but can't be backed up by uh, prestigious houses uh, because they can't take any of them. Right. Yeah. And the last bit is Wayward ends up going to sabotage the Crimson King. And uh, Suri, Percy, Behemoth, and Storm all go to speak to Dion about something or another. I don't, it doesn't say why. They just go and do it. All right. And that's uh, the end of that session. All right. So the last session we will be covering tonight is a fairly short one. I'm going to talk a little bit about it in kind of sections, and Brennan's going to tell you some stories from it, because he remembers the specific stories of it a little bit better than I do. Mostly because a lot of it is combat-based, and you don't exactly uh, keep notes on specific combat rounds as they go along. Yeah. Which makes sense. You don't always need to do that, especially in other games. But in Exalted, it can be helpful. Yeah. It it just really helps that these stories that are about to show up played real like are stuck in my memory as some of the best parts of it. So we have Crimson. It's a uh, Sunday, November the twenty sixth. 2017, and I think at this point it's been we've been playing for a year. We've been playing for a year because it was November when we started. Uh, November first. like 16th or something, I believe. November that we, 12th, I actually think. I believe that we literally started uh, the Sunday after the 2016 election. Maybe. So yeah, it would have been like yeah. the 12th. Yeah. Or something close. So to that. we are now at a year. A little over a year. Yep. 
So Crim uh, the Crimson King fights uh, Behemoth's brother, Saudi, or Explosive Star Seeker. A little bit about the Crimson King. He is the abyssal equivalent of a dawn, so he's dusk, right? Correctly. Uh, he's kind of a darkly beautiful man in a very, like, gothic way. And his anima banner is this beautiful woman chained to a jade chair. They end up fighting. Brennan's going to tell you a little bit about it in a second. And the Crimson King ends up beating Explosive Star Seeker. So, the reason that this fight ended up being such a big deal was is that this character was meant to be a... Um, polar opposite to Behemoth, who was a... Uh, the Crimson King was meant to be a polar opposite to Behemoth as far as fighting styles went. Behemoth was essentially a Dawn as far as fighting went, but he was the Eclipse. But anyway, he... Because as we he said before, was you could have a cast and not be like the intrinsic this. Yeah. So, the Crimson King is an archer. The and Behemoth was a uh, was a melee guy. Melee beats archery most of the time. As long as you can get up on them. As long as you can get up on them. So I had given the Crimson King some bonuses that play into him being part of the Maiden Under the Wave Circle. So to kind of spoil a little bit, but at this point we've gone through. Uh, multiple people uh, for the uh, the main run of the waves or hinted at what they could do in the case of uh, the Wanderer of Rhodes Long Dead. The entirety of... Did we ever actually meet yes, the we Wanderer did. Of no, Rhodes Yes, we did. No, you guys... Because that was the original mask you got, that we got. That was the original mask. You guys do meet him in huge air quotes, but I have mentioned him before okay. as what Diego was supposed to become. Yeah. So... The entire idea behind this Abyssal Circle is, is that they in some way can manipulate fate. Which turns into how do you manipulate fate that is uh, like in a broken sense in Exalted. Well, one of the rules in Exalted is like you don't you never mess with time. So these guys mess with time. So in the case of the Wanderer of Rhodes Long Dead, he had a uh, time stop ability whenever he whenever he was supposed to be used he had a basically like i can get a free uh extra action but people do have defenses against it like it's it's a it's like he got he, it's like he got two bonus actions in a round instead of just uh one yeah. if you were to put it into D, &D terms um the well, more like two actions per round, but that, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go off on a yeah. tangent okay, on D&D &D yeah. if, if we get me started no, on it. No, no. Actually, no. It's like he got two bonus actions in a round for him because the Crimson King got two actions around. You're right. You're right. The Crimson King's thing was he would erase time, which is literally what the Crimson King and Jojo does. He will erase an eight-second thing of time and people do not remember it. Um, which gave him an extra action. Jester, as you guys will find out very late into this, uh, into this series, could manipulate time. He's, and de he's fucking Deadpool. He, yeah, he's kind of fucking Deadpool. He, he kind of has, uh, really just hard reality-bending properties. Um, and then Dancer and Shadow Throne 
have very similar um, fate bending things. Fuck those two. But in a different way. That was the thing. After Shadow S- Throne. After Seeker left, Shadow-, Shadow Throne became my problem, and Dancer became my problem. So Shadow Throne got divination. He could see far into the future and make political machinations and, like, moves from his, like, spy organization, like, super far in advance. He knew basically a year's worth of stuff. And anytime that he... Basically, it made it so that if the group did something that I didn't foresee coming, he could change his plans on the fly. Because he was supposed to be the ultimate enemy for them. He is... Shadow Throne is literally the leader of that Abyssal Circle besides their Death Lord. Yep, and that's why I wanted to talk to him in the future with an endeavor that happened. Dancer, on the other hand, has precognition up to 10 seconds. Meaning that he may not always be able to act on what he sees... But he technically has the upper hand on most other things, giving him a very good, like, battle sense. He can always manipulate the flow of battle. Which is why he was a good juxtaposition for me. So because of this, because that the tournament accidentally got turned into not Behemoth versus the Crimson King, but Explosive Starseeker versus the Crimson King, it turned into, basically, the Crimson King could just go... I take a turn. I take a turn. Which meant one of his turns was just, I move away from this motherfucker who's going to explode me. And then because he has archery up the wazoo, he just goes, and then I just archery bullshit. Oh, he gets to me. I take, I, I undo time. I run away. I archery bullshit. And that's why that uh, previously people like, didn't see what he did because he just erased the time when the, he beat up the War Strider. Mm-hmm. No one knew what he did because you can't remember it. But there were ways it would have happened if a player had been there to observe it. But because, like, you, like you guys had been there to observe it, but it was Acti- it only if, we were actively involved. if you were actively involved in it was the only way that you guys would have noticed. So yeah, so that was basically the Crimson King fight, is he just kept erasing time and backing away and just archery, and like, basically what would end up happening is you would see him running away, and then suddenly, like, Explosive Star Seeker was just peppered with arrows. And he had no way to fight against it, because even though Sidereals can manipulate fate, they can't manipulate time. So that was that fight. So it looked like a very one-sided fight because it kind of was. Um, it was a good fight, though, if I remember correctly. It was a good fight because I had actually because I had made character sheets for the both of them and then rolled every single one of those fights. Mm-hmm. So back to this, away from the fight, uh, we end up talking to Arthur and Will about the Crimson King because he just won this, and none of us wanted him to win this thing. Uh, because but he, he ends did. up getting. A thing. He ends up getting an item that I will talk about once we hit the time skip. Because that was his prize. No one knew that that was his prize, but he ends up getting something that... I mean, we knew he was going to get something. We just... I, he, no I one we knew... talked about uh, like what it could have been, but we didn't really like say what it was. 
You guys never really figured it out. You you all knew that it was something that was going to benefit him. But basically, this is the first major win for these uh, for for the enemy exiles, and it's because Behemoth decided I'm not going to fight my brother, and I'm just like, my dude, this was a mistake. Oh well, players make decisions. Like like I mentioned earlier. You can do things. You can make decisions just one way or the other. You might have to live with the consequences. They may be good, they may be bad, they may be mixed. Uh, also, Talisman ends up being told about her being Percy's girlfriend, with air quotes, which went super well. It really did not go super well. As everyone remembers, Talisman's thing is being... Um, voluntold. Voluntold. She just got voluntold as Percy's girlfriend. Uh-huh. Wouldn't have ended well if uh, Storm had been voluntold as Percy's girlfriend either. I think on a lot of levels. I think I Sergei think, would have had something to say about that I think too. it might have ended better. I think it might have ended better. It might have ended better because Storm might have gone along with it if it benefited her. But I, I'm curious how Sergei would have reacted to that situation. Not well, unless, of course, she rolled well to explain it to him. <laughs> Raldo ends up finding out that the Nellens are on this boat. And uh, the head of it was Nellens Nello. Which, Percy decided to make some, just a bad pun of, whoa, Nellens. Whoa, Nellens. Yeah. We also find out about some uh, black jade. Either the boat's made out of it or it's on there or something like that. The boat is made it's out a, of... The, the palatial uh, boat estate, which is like a floating mansion. It's basically a uh, Titanic. Yeah. I mean... It's it, like it three goes, Titanics. It fucking goes down with the Titanic, too. Uh, so we discuss plans of what to do with this boat. And things just get super weird because we decide we're going to fucking flip this boat. Um, Behemoth... This boat has the weight of a mountain, and these bitches are going to flip this boat. Yep. Keep in mind that Rivers and Exalted are fucking huge. Yeah. So Behemoth gets made to look like Old Mother Raiden. And I know it's been a while since we've talked about Old Mother Raiden, or it feels like it's been a while. But she was the one that was evolved in the Killer Queen arc when we were in uh, Great Forks, right? And managed to get away. So Storm is still looking for her. Because she's like, this bitch got away. I killed her granddaughter. Bitch is probably going to want revenge. I need to get to her first. So, Behemoth looks like Old Mother Rayton via Raldo's ridiculous charms and Larceny abilities. charms. Yep. Because Larceny has disguise. Yep. And Percy is made to look like Neftolius. So it looks like an old lady and a young, beautiful goddess of beauty yep. in, in the air. So, Were they also like giant versions of them so then everyone could see? I don't think so. No, I think that they were. I think Behemoth was a giant version of Old Mother Raiden because he couldn't look smaller, but I think Percy just looked his normal size as Neptolius. I choose to believe that they were both giants and it looked like two gods fighting. That's fine. Well, I'm going to keep a long story short. Brendan's going to extend the story. We flip this bitch, we flip the boat. And then uh, Talisman tries to break into this jade boat while there's a war strider on the inside trying to break out. And uh, Percy is trying to get into that war strider 
because he assumes that Nellon's Nello is inside of this world. That is Strider. where Nellon's Nello is. Uh, and that's <laughs> the end of the session, so I'm sure Brendan would love to tell the story of how they flipped that bitch. Okay, so they're on their they're on the airship above the boat. Hundreds of feet above the boat. Behemoth goes, I'm gonna use strength increasing exercise multiple times. This is a charm that allows you to basically do athletic feats of stupidity like lifting and moving a mountain he does it multiple times and then the larceny charms go off and then he goes i'm gonna flip that boat i'm gonna jump off here and i'm gonna punch that boat and i go that's some uncountable damage Devin. you're gonna die doing that and he's like yeah but it's gonna be fucking cool and then jumps off the boat and i'm like okay well i guess it's time for Devin to make a third character well, then you have Percival. But then you have Percival who goes, no, wait, I like Behemoth. He's a kind of a cool guy, so I'm going to dive down with him. Literally, well, like... Well, Perci- Percival's whole thing was, like, loyalty to our circle. Percival's whole thing was, like, loyal. well, I choose I choose to say he's a cool guy. I'm going to go dive down with him. Not die. Dive down with him. So, basically, he does the, uh, they, he does the, uh, hey... We're, we're free-falling. We're doing skydiving. I'm going to, like, make myself go faster by making myself go more aerodynamic. Behemoth, stretch your arms out so you're less aerodynamic. And I can get below you. And they do that. And then Craig's response is to use two perfect defenses to go, Behemoth, hit my shield. Okay? Behemoth hits his shield. And then immediately goes, hey... I parry the ground on the on the front on the bow of this boat using my sword. I'm going to transfer the kinetic energy from Behemoth's punch into my sword. We're both going to perfectly defend and live, but all of that energy from that feat of strength is just going to go this one point on the boat on one side. Is is gonna flip the fucking boat. So at this point, one of the things that I noticed that uh, Christina's notes do not have is that Raldo's um, war strider parts and everything have been put on the other side of the river, and he has reassembled the war strider. Yep. And because Raldo had archery charms, it was an archery war strider. Raldo sealed it. So then he could go underwater and was underneath the boat at the same time. Boat flipped and he used a Warstrider power bow to use an essence arrow to go through the entire boat. The entire boat starts sinking. Because one, it's flipped and two, now it has holes in it. Yep. While Talisman's trying to break into While Talisman is now trying to break into the bottom part of the boat, which is now on the top. And then also Nellens Nello is trying to break out because they missed it. And basically they just fuck this whole thing up. This is one of my favorite just ridiculous charms are all come. It's all the plans coming together. For once. The plan is coming together for once. It is one of my favorite stories to tell about how fun sometimes that Exalted can be. Sometimes this system is a fucking headache to run in. That's why we switched to Godbound because it can be a headache to run in. But when this shit comes when when it's all coming together, it is it brings about some of the most fun and like 
shit that you can tell as a story you, and be you, like... You, you, know, you know what I'm saying about? What? Uh, not next session, but the one after that. When we do the Yushan and Jibei creation oh my God. mandate. All of the Yushan stuff and then is fantastic. Team, and then Team Assassinate. Team ass- team. I can't wait to tell that story. It's so good. That'll be my, that'll it's be one our... of my favorite, like, fuck you, like fuck sneak you. attack one shot assassinates. Fuck you, the GM had 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 a big plan for a big battle. Oh wait, there goes the general. But I'll tell that when we get to it. But I want to be the one to tell it because I love that fucking so story. So I think that that is going to be the end of us for uh, here. Was there anything else on that? Uh, no, that was, it. If, that was I, it. I mean, I can't show people the picture I have of the Titanic flip of the boat that I drew on the side. But that's pretty much what happened. It's literally boat, slowly sinking Titanic style, and then just... Bleh, bleh. Yep. So... As we're going to end this, as always, um, thank you guys for listening to our Exalted Retrospective. I know this has been a, this is what, episode 13? Something like that, yeah. I think this is episode 13. Um, I'm really glad that we've made it this far. We're we're getting through this uh, a lot quicker than I imagined. At some point, we're going to have to find some other shit to talk about besides Exalted. I mean, because we, we could talk more about, like, I don't know, like Joe's Abyssal game. I have the notes for that. When that comes, when it when we hit the time skip, that's when we're going to talk about that. Okay. That because that shit gets relevant. Uh, that that'll be an entire episode in and of itself. I cannot wait to talk about the bullshit that I did in that because when that game happened, I was I was the most hilarious and slightly toxic player that I've ever been. I have to be a small child who was just. Great. I love that I got character. to just be an asshole, and that's not something that I normally do. Um, but anyway, but once we finish up with Exalted, we're going to have to start finding other things to talk about. Uh, now that we've hit the year on two and a half year long mark, uh, we're going to really have to start thinking about things. Um, we can we can discuss this. We can, we can put this on Twitter, but I think that maybe one of the things I want to do is maybe um, give a... Uh, I think that one of the cool thing, one of the cool things to do, since it, uh, we're looking at you starting to run games, uh, and you'll be running games by that point. Oh yeah. But to kind of do like a, uh, like a weekly, like, hey, how'd you feel about that game? How'd you feel about this? Like, it, it gives some stuff for people to look forward to without really ruining it. Like, don't go over the notes like we do, mm-hmm. but like, just kind of be like, hey, how'd you feel about this game? Like, kind of give like a like a down thing, and maybe like. Talk about other stuff like other systems we want to we want to run in other games we listen to. Hell, talk about movies or games we've played. I'd love to just sit down and be like, hey, just let the good dice roll. And today we're hey, here's ta- a poll. What do you want us to talk about this week? Yeah, here's here's a poll. What do you guys want us to talk about this week? Um, talk about like a game that we played. I know fucking Christina watches me play video games all the time whenever I'm in a video game mood. So yeah, and I finished Borderlands three finally. So now I just gotta get Brendan through it with me. Yeah, once that we get, once the two of us get through that, I'm sure we'll give a Borderlands review episode. Uh, maybe not let the good dice roll. Maybe we could just have another thing that's just like our video game bullshit. I, no, I just like having the let the good dice roll just be, you know, whatever. Our our banter. Yeah. It, it's our weekly hangout. Yeah, weekly hangout banter time. I think that I think that I like that as what we're gonna do. I think that once we get through Exalted. I want to just kind of do, hey, how was your week? Well, well, we, well, I mean, well, granted, you and me live together, so I don't know. 
But, you know, we can just kind of we'll figure, figure it out. We'll figure shit out. We like just chatting. So. And people, some people apparently like listening to us just rant about shit. Right. So, so um, as you all know, we are now on iTunes. Um, I am currently working on getting us on Spotify. Ooh. Right. Another big step for us. Um, I'm also going to be, uh, I'm going to be, I'd, I'd like to start doing some reviews on other stuff. Maybe just kind of talking more often about things. Okay. I'm really trying to get back into the Twitter, but it's, it's a little hard. I'd like to have more followers, more people, but I got to really reach out and make some dope ass tweets. Mm-hmm. Got to really, uh, stretch my, stretch my shit posting legs. But yeah, if any of you guys have anything you'd like us to talk about, any questions, random stuff, if you want us to, like, review a movie, like, I have opinions about Star Wars. I just saw Star Wars, but I also don't want to talk about it because it just came out recently. That um, could be an entire episode. I think that that is something that you, me, and Julia should, should, should sit down and talk about. I think that that could be really fun. Yeah. No. I, I You know what? Actually, I would really like to do that. I really would like we, to sit down. We could and talk. do that in eventual, or something. I would really like to sit down and talk about Star Wars with 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 the two of you because I have opinions on this movie, and they're not super great. <laughs> I have very neutral opinions about it, and so. Julia has very good opinions about yeah. it. Yeah, so we got, we've got the spectrum of it. Um. So if you guys have any questions, if there are any movies you want us to review, if there are any video games you want us to play. There are any tabletop systems you want us to play? I mean, I'll uh, pl- if people have game suggestions, I will legit play video games just to review them and give my opinion on them. Am I going to be great at playing them? Maybe not. I'm not great at playing Borderlands, but I fucking love the series. So it's but just you can send those suggestions into a pair of dice lost at gmail.com. or you can bug me on Twitter at a pair of dice lost. Now. Thank you all for listening to our ramblings about Exalted. Um, if you guys wouldn't mind, hit that like, subscribe button, comment. Uh, we love it when the people are downloading our episodes. We're on iTunes. If you're listening to us on iTunes, go ahead and leave us a review. We'd love to hear back from you. Five stars is always fantastic because it's going to help us get out there. But, you know, your opinion is your opinion. Um, just let you all know... Um, we are going to be airing Iron Kingdoms uh, right after this episode. Um, I believe I've talked a couple times about this, but it is going to be a little bit before it gets great. And also, after Iron Kingdoms, once that Mage comes back, and also once that Christina's D&D game starts up, we're going to be using new equipment, which means we're not going to have as much background noise. You guys are not going to have to listen to the shit that's going on in other apartments because of our microphone mm-hmm. yeah so look forward to that so for what for pair of dice lost podcasting channel i've been brendan i've been christina and always remember let those good dice roll